Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Soccer Morning, live, worldsoccertalk.com. Got your coffee, your donuts. Are soccer people donut people? I'm hearing a lot about donuts. I've been listening to podcasts and uh, a lot of people talk about donuts. And I know there's like boutique donut places. Doesn't Portland have a famous donut place? Voodoo donuts or something? I haven't made it out to Portland yet. So I haven't had any of the other donuts. But there's like donut spots everywhere. Donuts is, we have the cupcake fad. And we have a donut thing happening. I don't have any donuts. I need to get a, can we get a sponsorship with donuts on this show? I feel like, well, oh, that probably wouldn't be good for my health. I mean, donuts are awesome, but they're not good for you. Yeah, cronuts. Can I get some cronuts on this program? Again, happy Monday. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Today is a big, big day. Obviously, it's a little earlier than we're usually on at worldsoccertalk.com slash live because we have the Sirius XM show debuting today at 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius XM FC Channel 94. If you have Sirius XM, you should be listening. That would help us out a lot. And get ready to call because I might need your help on that front as well. We are going to have a very good show here, but why don't I outline what's going to happen on Sirius XM FC 94 today so you'll know whether or not you want to listen. Obviously, I'll be there. Me. I'll be there. It'll be great. We're also going to have Jesse Marsh, Kyle McCarthy, Benny Failhaber, and Alex Morgan. So I think that's pretty loaded for a first show on Sirius XM FC. I think that's a little loaded. Good stuff coming to you on the satellite show. But we're not going to shortchange you here on the web show. Luke Moore, the world-famous football ramble, will join us in 10 minutes to talk about the Premier League weekend. Chelsea, obviously the big story, winning the Premier League title, locking it down. That question, that looming question, whether or not Chelsea is a boring team, whether or not they won this uh, title in any sort of real style, we'll bring that up with Luke. Maybe you're tired of it. But I do think that the, the question of whether or not you want to win and do it in a pedestrian fashion, or you want to lose and play wonderful soccer is at the heart of so much of what we care about with this sport. We can't just talk about winning or losing. We have to talk about winning, losing, and how those things are achieved or not achieved, whatever the case may be. So I'm looking forward to that discussion with Luke in a couple of minutes. Let's hit those headlines pretty hard right off the bat. Chelsea beating Crystal Palace one nothing to win the Premier League title. First title in five years. Jose Mourinho's return to the pinnacle of the Premier League. His comments after the match, post-game press conference, just so Jose. The most Jose you could get. Talk about how tired he is. He's so tired, guys. Winning titles is tiring. He also talked, you know, he also is, is obviously hitting out at those people who say Chelsea didn't win with any style. It he indicated that he'll be there at Chelsea for as long as Mr. Abramovich wants him there. Now, that wasn't the case last time around when he left. But he has come back and he has won a title. We have a, do, we have a, do we have a precedent for this? Do we have a precedent for a manager having success at a club, winning things, moving on, having success elsewhere, and then coming back and winning more titles? I don't know if that's ever happened before at the same club. Maybe there's an Italian precedent for it. Not sure there's an English precedent for it. Apologies for my lack of historical knowledge if it is out there. Hit us up on Twitter at Soccer Morning if I'm missing somebody. But it just feels like this is a pretty unique situation. Whether you like Jose Mourinho or not, you cannot you, you, you cannot throw shade on the man for his success. He wins. He wins things. Trophies end up on his mantle. In MLS action, Seattle beat New York City FC 2-1. Clint Dempsey, Obafemi Martins are so damn fun to watch. Clint Dempsey with a back heel through ball to, to Martins, which was finished in style. They are, if not the best team in MLS, certainly in the conversation as it exists right now. New England, also in that conversation, they take down the New York Red Bulls. Again, Jesse Marsh on the Sirius XM show coming up, so you want to listen to that. The New York Red Bulls' first loss on the year. They sit in third place in the East. You think, okay, well, they haven't lost yet. They must be one or two, well, no, they are third place in the Eastern Conference. Now, that is partly due to the fact the Revs have actually played one more game. But both the Revolution and D.C. United have better point-per-game totals than the New York Red Bulls. Rebels have four draws on the year. So even though they only have that one loss, 
They've only got three wins, and that puts them in third place. It's going to be, I think the Eastern Conference can be really fun. I think this is going to be a good race. Right now, your top six, meaning your teams in the playoff spots, New England, D.C., New York, Columbus, Toronto, and Chicago. Orlando City can't score a goal, can't buy a goal, and now without Kevin Molino. Midfielder Kevin Molino, who came up with this team from USL, was signed to the MLS roster, and has been a regular contributor for them, tore his ACL, and is now out for the year. Uh, he did that in a friendly. And I, I don't have time now. We're going to get to Luke Moore. I don't have time to rant about friendlies, but you know how I feel about these midseason friendlies for MLS teams. Now, other teams in other leagues around the world do this occasionally. But I just, I, I don't know why you put your players in the jeopardy. And somebody, I've had people tell me, oh, you, this could happen in training. This could happen in any other match. It could happen in a league match. Of course, it could happen in a league match, but at least that matters for the standings. And of course, it could happen in training, but the intensity is not going to be there. A friendly shouldn't have that sort of intensity, but you never know, especially when you play another team with players who are attempting to make their own name, go in a little hard. Get a little bit of that red mist. Next thing you know, I, I don't I haven't seen the incident with Kevin Molino. I don't know how he did this. It could be non-contact. It just is troubling when a player is injured in a game that meant nothing. Also, in MLS uh, RSL drew with San Jose. Uh, controversial game for a couple of reasons, but mostly because of the refereeing and the question of whether or not Chris Wondolowski was offside when he scored San Jose's goal. I think he was. I don't know how you would make an argument that he's not. Kyle Beckerman after the match saying that referee can uh, refereeing can hold MLS back and this needs to be fixed. This is a consistent refrain when it comes to this league. I don't know. Are we making progress? Does anybody feel like we're making progress on the refereeing front in MLS? Because Kyle Beckerman is exactly right. When you have issues with refereeing, it distracts from what's going on on the field. Now, that game in particular wasn't wasn't that great. RSL didn't manage a shot on goal. They needed a Victor Bernardez own goal to get that draw at home against a team that you would expect them, you know, all, all things being equal, to, to beat at home. And RSL can't get their attack going right now. It's starting to get a little dicey out on the Wasatch front. Jeff Kassar's got to figure some things out. They don't have, they are missing some players, clearly. When you don't have Joao Plata, and he was so key to their success last year, it's going to be tougher. But you've got enough talent in this team to create some chances, and they're just not doing it. In France, PSG beat Alejandro Bedoya and Nantes to move back up to the top of Ligue 1. They're now three points clear of Lyon in France. Uh, Zlatan and company looking to return, uh, or looking to a, win a second title in a row. Or is it be the third one? I can't keep track. I think they're, I think they're on their, two, their second, right? Whatever it is. Obviously, PSG, the most uh, the richest team in France, bowing out of the Champions League, but still has an opportunity to win another domestic title. All right, let's take a break. Remember, Sirius XMFC, 94 at 11 o'clock. I'm going to hit it because it's a big day. It's the first day. When we come back, Luke Moore, world-famous football ramble. Let's talk some Premier League. Chelsea winning a title. Van Persie missing penalties. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. You're talking too loud. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning talking some Premier League, well, some English football. We may range outside of the Premier League. Luke Moore from the Football Ramble is on the line. It's been a little while. It's good to have you back, Luke. It's great to be back, Jason. Thank you for inviting me back on. It has been a while. I wondered if it was something I'd say. Uh, you know, no, certainly not. Uh, we, you, The last time we talked, I'm sure this happened. Uh, memory can get fuzzy, but I think the last time you know I talked, we 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 were consistently uh, you know going over the inevitability of Chelsea winning the Premier League title, and here we are. It has finally happened. They have locked this up. Uh, they they win the they win against Crystal Palace, and and everybody celebrates, and it's it's great. I saw interviews with 
with Cesc Fabregas and Didier Drogba, who uh, you know obviously has a lot of history with that club and, and gets another title. Mm. The question I think that a lot of people are asking is um, whether or not Chelsea is, uh, you know, whether or not they're an entertaining team and whether or not this is a, a championship one in, or a title one in style. Is that, is that a real issue for anybody you know, outside of, of the people who don't like Chelsea? Um, I, I think it depends how you look at the game in general. I mean, I tend to look at the game as, as an entertaining pastime that I, you know, that I enjoy being involved in in terms of watching. Um, and it depends whether you adopt that sort of winning at all cost mentality. But I mean, it's impossible for any team to, to, to pipe up about Chelsea not being entertaining without it sounding like sour grapes. I mean, so mm-hmm. you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, really. Chelsea started off this season being pretty entertaining. I mean, there's no question about that. They had a massive win at Goodison Park early on. Um, and even if we go back to sort of more recently, they beat Hull 3-2 mm. in sort of the back end of March. So, and, they, and they've scored you know, a decent amount of goals. I mean, they've only, I think only Man City have scored more than them. So they've scored goals. Um, and obviously they've not conceded that many either. They've got the best, uh, best defence in the league. So, I mean, whichever way you slice it, Chelsea are the best team in this division. They deserve to win. And they've been top pretty much since day one, really. Um, so I don't know if I buy into it too much. I mean, it mm-hmm. depends how you what you what you determine to be entertaining. I mean, a lot of people like watching defensive football and think that defending is is hard and and is a part of the game as much as scoring goals. So really, it's, it's, it really is down to opinion. But I don't think it can sound like anything other than sour grapes when a club or a team who are maybe not doing quite as well as them complain about it, whether it's entertaining or not. Well, I mean, essentially, Jose Mourinho will be judged on titles, won't he? Yeah, and I think so much about this, so much of this is about Jose Mourinho and about certainly his his reputation, the type of football that he is inclined to play, especially when things get tight, when he needs points. Uh, he he is a sort of a, a master of uh, of reactive football in that uh, in that sense. And so this yeah, but is... we go back to the Arsenal game. This, this all re- this all really re- is ugly head around the Arsenal game. Okay, well, they drew nil nil and mm-hmm. they celebrated at a decent point um, because they knew really that was that for the title for them. Now, what what I mean, I don't want to defend or Chelsea or Arsenal. I don't really have any vested interest in either of these sides. But what do we expect Chelsea to do? Right. I mean, <laughs> Arsenal are, Arsenal are well known for their expansive sort of uh, free flowing attacking football with little tricky players who will tear you to pieces if you let them. You can't seriously suggest that a Chelsea side that has built more around strength and uh, athleticism and uh, different, maybe different disciplines to what Arsenal is, what Arsenal are known for, should just cut, let themselves be carved open. They, they set out a way to, to to get the point they needed to win the, to essentially win the title. I, I don't really care too much that oh, I didn't personally find it that entertaining because actually that game wasn't too bad. It was quite an interesting game. It wasn't like a real drudge fest that we've seen in the past in some of these games between big teams in the Premier League. So I just think, it's, like I say, it's a bit of sour grapes. It's a little bit reductive. Ultimately, Chelsea should be applauded for winning the title and winning it well. And then that's what we should be focusing on. Hey, right. And as you said, they, they, it's not as though this has been their character for the entire season. And I think that speaks to, um, that speaks to Mourinho's skill as a manager. He has managed to... He's taken his team, and he, they played a certain way for a while, and that that worked. That was great. They had things changed a little bit. Certainly, the season got long. You have you have uh, fatigue and injuries, and you have Champions League, and you have all of these things on on different fronts. And here they are. They're they're and as you said, they've scored sixty nine goals in thirty five matches. That's nearly two goals a game. They've only Manchester City has scored more than them. They have the best goal differential in the league. Uh, they are certainly worthy champions. And all of this other stuff is is just a bunch of noise. I agree, yeah. I mean, look, you can say that Man City have arguably been more entertaining than Chelsea, but Man City have lost five more games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's 15 points you don't get. They lost to Man United pretty handily. Uh, they lost to Burnley. They lost to Liverpool. I mean, Chelsea haven't really been been reduced to, to consistent defeats, and that's why they're going to win. That's why they've won the Premier League. They've lost two games all season. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't really buy it. I, th- I think that, you know, it's not like they've set out to win every game 1-0 and draw every game that's away from home and hard nil-nil. I mean, they've scored 69 goals. I mean, they've essentially scored two goals a game on average all season. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not dreadful. No. Do you know what I mean? No, certainly not. Uh, some other results uh, for this weekend, interesting results. Manchester United uh, losing to West Brom. Uh, Robin Van Persie with, uh, with not, not a great penalty, a penalty saved in the talk after the match. Lee Van Hall is going yeah. to take away that responsibility from Van Persie. I, I mean, that, that seems like... I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's a big deal necessarily, Luke, but certainly for Manchester United to 
lose to West Brom after building some momentum, after looking, you know, pretty solid to 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 sort of just walk into a top four spot, and they they, they probably still will hold on to a top four spot uh, with Liverpool four points back. But they, I don't know, it's 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 not the way you want to play when uh, when you're trying to recapture some of that old Old Trafford magic. No, they went for, gone for a bit of a funny spell. They lost three in a row now, they, which is the first time for ages, I think. And they weren't great against West Brom. The Van Persie point, I take, I think that overall United at penalties recently have been pretty poor. I think I'm thinking right the same. Wayne Rooney's record at scoring Premier League penalties is quite poor as well. Yeah. I actually think Van Persie would, move, would be moved on in the summer um, anyway. But yeah, as you say, they'll, they'll, they'll probably finish in the top four. I mean, they've got if they're four points uh, between them and Liverpool. I mean, the games they play next, <clears throat> you, you would fancy them really to, to do okay. I mean, they play Crystal Palace and they play Harm, I think, and the, the game they've got home to Arsenal is possibly more tricky, but ultimately they're going to finish in the top four, which is a great improvement on what happened last season. And I imagine Van Gaal will strengthen again in the summer, uh, move out a few players. Like I say, like Van Persie will probably be one of them, and, and again, strengthen. But I mean... You know, I mean, it's, it's a poor result home to West Brom. I think it happened last season as well. So it's funny because they went on a run of like six games being won a row at a really key time before that. And now they've just been caught a little bit. I think they lost to Chelsea, who are obviously champions. They were outclassed by Everton. And now this result against West Brom, which was poor. But overall, their objective really was probably going to be top four. And it looks like they're going to achieve that. A bunch of these teams uh, outside of Chelsea, very Jekyll and Hyde, or at least a little bit of that. And certainly Liverpool has been that way this season. They get a, a win against QPR, sad sack QPR. Steven Gerrard scores there, and so much of the talk recently about about Liverpool, especially with Jurgen Klopp hovering around everything, uh, is whether or not uh, Brendan Rodgers should be moved on. I'm not saying Jurgen Klopp would take that job necessarily, Luke, but I'm, there's obviously some pressure on Brendan Rodgers. Is that fair? Is considering how how well they did last year and how close they came, is it fair to say that Brendan Rodgers uh, may not be good enough for Liverpool at this point? Um, that's a tough question because it depends which way you look at it. I mean, I think he's the first manager since Shankly to do three seasons without winning a trophy. Yes. In his right. first, a manager to not win a trophy in his first three seasons at Liverpool. They're a massive club. I mean, everyone knows how big they are as a team. They need to be successful. They need sustained success for the size of club they are. People will also point to Rodgers being a bit hit and miss in the transfer market perhaps coming undone a little bit against other good teams when it really matters. Their Champions League campaign this season was disappointing. Um, and they are clearly going to finish nowhere near where they finished last season. But on the other hand, they've lost important players. They've had injuries at key times, um, and it's all round, I would suggest, been a more competitive Premier League this season. They also have Real Madrid um, in their Champions League group. So, I mean, it's difficult to say. I, I, think, I think it depends how they want to approach it as a club. Do they want to say, right, this guy you know, top is available, he wants to come to Liverpool. I mean, that may or may not be the case, but say he does, do they see him as an upgrade on Rodgers? If they do, they should probably go and get him because, right. as yeah. we just said earlier about Chelsea, the game is about winning. Um, but, or do they say, look, we've invested three years in Brendan Rodgers so far. We're happy with the way things are going. We look for him to kick on again next season and see what he can achieve next year. I mean, I think really he's been undone a little bit when it really counts um, around Steven Gerrard. I think mm. in the FA Cup, especially, there's been too many sentimental um, selections of Steven Gerrard because it's his last season. I mean, if, if, you, if you want to offer some sort of thanks to Steven Gerrard as for his service to the club, um, then by all means, send him up to collect the FA Cup trophy um, when they win it. Don't play him when he's not up to it and get beaten in the semi-final. I mean, that's, that's just a ridiculously sentimental mistake to make and they've ultimately paid the price for that. So I think he's been a bit silly in transfers and a little bit silly with Steven Gerrard. But I understand it's a difficult situation. I mean, the guy is almost bigger than him at the club, which is not an easy situation when you're the manager. So it's been tough for them. It's a more competitive league. They had a terrible start. If they'd have started better, they probably would be in the top four. I mean, they've been okay since since then, really. But their start was just so poor. Cool. I think it might be the I think it might have been their worst start since the Premier League started. So that obviously wasn't a great way to to get get up and running. Yeah. But um, I think there are positives to draw, and I think if he can pull out a couple of transfers in the summer that are going to be successful, which he's not really done consistently so mm, far, mm. it may save him his job, but I don't really know. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, the the bigger the club, especially if they take a dip, and, and clearly Liverpool took a dip for a little while, they, they, they kind of claw their way back into a discussion of whether or not they can win a title or, or, or make Champions League places, and they, and they did that last year. 
then the question becomes, okay, what's our aspirations? Do we view ourselves as so big that we should be winning trophies? And when you don't have any trophies, um, you know, on the mantle, then that is going to be pressure, whether or not Brendan Rodgers is still evolving and, and a good enough manager to get them, you know, above where they were, but not where they expect to be. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, and I think it all comes down to whether they think Rodgers can really move on to the next level with Liverpool. Right. And, because their ambitions are big. Absolutely. So are Manchester City's, and, and they have uh, failed to meet those expectations this year, uh, a year after winning a title. And uh, Manuel Pellegrini may be a guy who's not long for this league either. Yeah, I think he'll probably go. Um, 13 points behind the league title. I mean, it's not really that great. They won it last season. They've gone backwards this year. I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of um, players in that squad resting on their laurels. I don't think they're working hard enough, personally. Um, it's easy for me to say, sat on, on the sofa, but, I mean, they're professional athletes. They should be working a lot harder. They're not doing that, and that's why they've come up way, way short, not just in, in the domestic league, but, of course, in Europe as well. And ultimately, City, at some point, need to get over this hump in Europe. They need to sort it out. They need to get a manager who can deliver the, the, the last stages at the very least of the Champions League. And that's what I brought Pellegrini in because of his work at VRL. Mm-hmm. It's not work. It's not transferred across. So I think they need to have another look. And I don't think there's much chance he'll be there next season because I don't think he can, I don't think he can outperform Mourinho. And of course, there are not many managers that can, no. but he certainly can't. Mm. And they need to find one that, that possibly can. Uh, let's look down the table here. I mean, I've, uh, right now, Sunderland QPR... And Burnley in the relegation places uh, in, in Newcastle, only two points ahead of Sunderland and 15th, uh, so possible that they could be pulled down. And, uh, you know, John Carver's a guy that, that American soccer fans know a little bit from his time, well, North American soccer fans know from a, a little bit from his time at, at Toronto FC, and he's clearly a Newcastle man, but he, that's a guy that I can't imagine uh, sticking around. I'm a little surprised he's still there as of today. And I know that they've gone through, they've already gone through a change with Pardew leaving. Is uh, is Newcastle's uh, future pr- bleak from your perspective? Uh, not much time to to salvage this, and they could be they could be pulled down. Yeah, it's, it is bleak. I mean, it's difficult to know where they go from here. Really, I mean, the way that Mike Ashley is running the club is a cause for of a great sort of existential crisis for Newcastle fans, and, and understandably so. Um, is, is it really John Carver's fault? I mean, he's supposed to be inspiring the players, but sure. He's not He's not really doing that. But his players are completely mugging him off, in my opinion, as well. I mean, the amount of times... Carver, Carver says things like, oh, when, when, I'm, when I, I love this club, when I'm in charge, none of these players are going to turn up to a game and want, are going to want for, for effort and things like that. But you just look at it and you think, these players are going into, supposed to be going into battle. I mean, they're in free fall. The, the, the only thing that's going to keep them in the Premier League this season is the other, three other teams being worse than them. Not because they deserve to stay up. And they're going into battle... And you look at the other teams and think these other teams are these other teams are groups of players are up for it. You know, it's like it's like Newcastle going into into a war armed with a little teaspoon. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's nothing there. There's no fight. There's nothing for them. And then then to do what they did with um, with Mike Williamson and Jan Matt in the game of the weekend, which is basically the coward's way out. Didn't fancy it. Williamson knew he'd get a couple of games off because he'd be suspended. Just coward's way out. Didn't want yeah. doesn't want to fight. And and ultimately the manager is going to pay for that with his job. But if he's not really up to it in the first place and the players aren't trying, I mean, is it really his fault? It's difficult to say. Yeah, it, with Carver actually speaking out and saying, suggesting that Williamson got himself uh, ejected on purpose, that that's the kind of thing... I, I mean, uh, whether or not it's true, I think is beyond the point. I, I, I put this on Carver. You can't have that in public. You have to do that behind closed doors if you are yeah, going well, to make that... That's a fair point. That's, that's a fair point, yeah. I, I think he did do it on purpose. But whether, whether, as you say, Carver should have said that in public is probably a different point, and I would, I would agree with you there, I expect. Because you, cannot, you, you certainly can, I don't think you can mend that rift, certainly not with the limited number of games you have left, in an attempt to maintain your position in the Premier League. You can't, you can't heal that rift, and there's certainly going to be players who are going to take Williamson's side. Hey, you shouldn't, do, you shouldn't call him out like that. Whether Williamson did it on purpose or not, uh, you can't call him out like that. That's not, how, that's, that's not how you manage players. I mean, and so much of this game in the modern day is is you know it's not, it's not just about formation and tactics it's about managing the players day to day yeah absolutely i completely agree with that I mean, and it also smacks a little bit of um carver trying to sort of shift the blame a little yes, bit and right. say, look, look what i've got to deal with here look at, look at, this, look at the situation look how crazy it is uh, rather than uh, potentially being having his own failings being focused on i think yeah saying it in public is probably a little bit self-defeating but i mean 
have they really got anything to lose at this point? I mean, he's probably mm. tried everything else. So if he publicly shamed the player and, and he's the type of player that will bounce back and, and really use it as motivation to prove something wrong, then maybe it's the right thing to do. But it looks to me like a little bit desperate for sure. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Leicester, uh, who defeated Newcastle United uh, uh, 3-0 this weekend, do they look like, uh, for you, do they look like a, a team that's going to be able to, to keep themselves up? Because there was, it, most of the season, it was it, it seemed very much like the Foxes were going back down. Yeah, I mean, I, they can do it. Yeah, I mean, they've got two more um, two more winnable um, home games, like Hunter Southampton, which they can win. I mean, Southampton are a good team, but they're not unbeatable. And they're at home to QPR, who have already been relegated on the last day of the season. So, they can they can get six points. I mean, the, the other game is away to Leicester, which is a ma- sorry, which is away to Sunderland, which is a massive six pointer. Right. If they can get a point at Sunderland, and they can win their two home games with the momentum and the confidence they've got, so of course they can stay up. I mean, they're out of the relegation zone as it is. Right. So yeah, I mean, they've, they've just gone on this unbelievable run where and and at this this sort of phase of the season, whatever division you're in, whether you're going, whatever you're going for, whether you're going for promotion or to sort of avoid relegation, momentum is so important. We see this every single season. There are teams that come into form at the right time. They get a bit of confidence. And when you sort of group that up with teams they're playing against who aren't in form and who are nervous about relegation or nervous about going for a title or nervous about going for Europe, the confidence always seems to win out. And Leicester have done that. And, and it was really important for them to not get hammered by Chelsea because that one game they got beaten in that run, um, they, they lost 3-1. I think they were at one all with about 15 minutes left and they gave a really good account of themselves. And that was important because then Nigel Pearson could say to his players, OK, you've lost to the champions here. It's not the end of the world. You competed for large parts. We'll go back again next, next game. If they had got beaten 4 or 5 nothing, that would have been very, very difficult to bounce back from. But they managed that game very well. And that has been key to, to how they've carried on. Uh, the uh, the the ostrich. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this. I know it's in the past. They get a victory. It's going to be south for the wounds. But Pearson and his ostrich rant. What did, what did you make of that? I mean, is, is this what, what kind of manager is he? Because that's that, that's again, it's sort of off the rails a little bit. But that may be good for a team who again is sort of scrapping and trying to get every point possible to stay up. Yeah, I'd like to think that he's doing this on purpose to distract from his team's pressure. But I sort of think he might just be a bit of an idiot, and the way the way he the way he acted was really really bizarre. I mean, I mean he's been he's got previous for acting strangely anyway. I think he's under a lot of pressure in his defence. I think you know he had that thing earlier in the season where he wasn't sure if he was going to keep his job or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he probably feels a bit hard done by because Leicester are doing well at the moment and maybe he doesn't feel like they're getting the credit. I don't agree with that, but I mean if that's his point of view and that's fair enough. I think the media have been very fair about on Leicester really. But I think he got it carried away. I overreached a little bit in terms of his analogies, which we've all done. Yeah. And and now he's been derided for it. But um, interestingly enough, ostrich has done even bury their head. Uh, right. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, supported by a Disney cartoon back in the day. I, I do think it's interesting that the world has... A lot of people have learned something about uh, the nature of ostriches because Niall Pe- Nigel Pearson yeah. went on his little rant. We all get a little. So all is not lost. We got a little nature in our lives thanks to Nigel Pearson. Sunderland, QPR, and Burnley in your in the relegation spots right now. Um, things can change, obviously. Uh, you know, Hull, Newcastle, even Villa, not necessarily out of danger yet. Although um, certainly Villa's uh, turnaround um, ha- has been has been pretty good. I mean, they beat Everton and Everton's another one of those teams that's Jekyll and Hyde. They're, they're not going anywhere uh, necessarily, but where do you, where do you rate Everton and, and their season? Because it's been a difficult one that maybe they underachieved in. And then Aston Villa, again, a team that at one point was, uh, people were very afraid that they were going to go down and, and they, they managed to think, turn things around to Tim Sherwood. Yeah, Everton have had a difficult time. They had the Europa League, which always takes its toll. They had players injured at key times, key players as well. Um, and it, they've sort of, never really, sort of never really got going until, what was the game they won? They beat Newcastle. Luckily, old Newcastle, giving them a charity donation, as they've done to everyone. In the middle of about March, and then every game since then, they've played really well until um, until the weekend when they got beaten from, by, by Aston Villa. But I think that's probably because Aston Villa knew what was at stake mm. and, and, and were, were fighting for their lives and Everton are sort of safely ensconced in mid-table now. It's not been a vintage season for Everton, but then they do this every so often. I mean, mm. I can remember the finishing 17th with David Moyes and the season after that, they're okay. So, I mean, it's the nature of the beef with Everton. They can be a bit inconsistent from season to season. Um, occasionally, now I know David Moyes overall did a good job and Martinez has done a good job up until now. So, of course, they're one of those teams that aren't really going to trouble the leaders generally. But um, they are prone to the odd sort of season off the ball, which has happened this year. But they're okay. I mean, the table's yeah. fine. They'll, they'll kick on again next season with no Europa League to worry about. 
Um, Aston Villa have had a new manager bounce, which you, you see quite a lot. Sherwood has done um, the thing that a lot of managers of his ilk do, which is basically instill confidence in his team. And, and with that, it's quite a simple um, equation with confidence. They start to score goals. I mean, they can hardly have scored fewer goals. But in terms of them, their, 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 their goal scoring has picked up. And that's been enough for them because there are so many poor teams down there. Mm. They deserve their credit. I mean, he's, doing there. he's probably going to keep them safe just because QPR and Burnley are gone now. It's only one team of about five, so their chances of staying up are, are quite good. Uh, the, uh, the Premier League has things to settle, but uh, we have a championship season completed, a League One season completed, so we know who's coming up and who's going down between those two divisions. Or at least we have two teams coming up for the championship, Bournemouth and Watford, and then you obviously have the playoffs. Um, the Bournemouth story gets a lot of uh, a lot of discussion. I've seen it kind of cut both ways, Luke. With the okay, well, this is obviously a small team that had some or a small club that had some some financial difficulties and was nearly uh, nearly insolvent, and and here they are about to go to the Premier League. It's it's a lovely thing, and then there's the discussion about okay, what kind of money are they has come into the club, and is it the right kind of money? Is any of that is any of that of, of a concern to you? Um, I think I think um, Eddie Howe's done an amazing job. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the first thing to say. I mean, he was manager of the club when they, I think they survived in the last day of the season of the Football League mm. by beating, I think it was Grimsby on the last day of the season. And that wasn't actually that long ago. Um, and now they're going to be in the Premier League. It's an amazing achievement. And he's a young manager. I think when he was managing them to keep them in the Football League, I think he was 31 years old. So... The, the the sort of perspective needs to be needs to be looked at here about how how well he's done because it doesn't just take anything away from him. Of course they've been well funded uh, and of course they've, he's been well supported. They haven't spent a huge amount of money on transfers by, by the way. Right. It's not it's not like they've been they've done what some other teams have done in the past and just chucked a lot of money on it over and over again. It's been built on a decent solid foundation of good hard working players and and decent football from a good young manager. The thing I like about Eddie Howe is he, he was highly rated. He did the job he did at Bournemouth the first time round. He was poached by Burnley. Didn't work out, but he made a lot of mistakes there by his own admission. Was far away from home, didn't really enjoy it. Learned from those mistakes, went back to Bournemouth, which a lot of people would say you should never go back. But he went back there and he's achieved even more. So he's clearly a very resilient character uh, who works very hard. And he's earned his right to, to manage in the Premier League now. And of course, they're going to find it difficult. Mm. They're going to find it hard to attract players down there, I think. Um, but, I mean, these players like Matt Ritchie, who's, who's really set that league on fire. Um, as again, um, it's right to play in the top flight, and you know, good for him. And I think there'll be a breath of fresh air in the Premier League next season, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, interesting to see how they get on. Watford coming up with them, as I mentioned, in the playoffs: Norwich, Middlesbrough, Brentford, and Ipswich. Uh, you have a you have a pick to come out of the playoffs, and and if if you don't have a pick, uh, who would you like to see come up? Oh, you sly little sausage! <laughs> it's difficult to say. You're making me guess that. It's hard. I mean. Norwich under Alex Neal have done well. He's come in there, done a really good job. Um, they're going to be disappointed finishing third, though, so that's always tough. Um, Brentford, it would be an interesting story because Mark Warburton's going to go at the end of the season, whatever happens. If he delivers then Premier League football, then leaves. That would be a ridiculous set of circumstances. Um, it's under Mick McCarthy has sort of drifted in there um, under the radar, and they play Norwich in the semi final, so that would be a really good game. Mm-hmm. And then Middlesbrough, again, will be really disappointed to miss that and automatic because they look like they were going to do it um, for, for large parts of the season. Um, it's really hard to say. I think the Norwich Ipswich semi final will be really, really interesting. Maybe the winner of that can go on and, and, and get promotion. But mm. we saw last season in the playoff final that it's so dramatic. I mean, I the way it. that QPR were up, went up with that goal and Derby were heartbroken was just was really sickening to see. This is a neutral um, for, for Derby because their hearts are broken. But it's always a really, really good affair, the, the playoffs. And I'll be interested to see what happens. Then, I'll certainly be watching with interest. But it's hard for me to pick. Really hard. Yeah, the, the championship playoffs are always brilliant. I'm very much looking forward to them. Uh, you have Millwall, Wigan, and Blackpool going down. Just a, just a, in about 30 seconds here, uh, what strikes me of, of that trio, not, outside of Millwall and, and everybody's opinions on them, but Wigan, Wigan going down to League One, um, you know, not too long ago, being in the Premier League and winning an FA Cup title, and here they are dropping down to the third division. Uh, what's gone wrong wrong at Wigan? Oh, they struggled to keep hold of managers. They've not really got any consistency. Um, we saw against um, Brentford at the weekend. I mean, I know they've already been relegated effectively, but they got absolutely battered against against Brentford. Um, it's they're not a huge club, really. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the that's the thing. I mean, they're the chairman stepped, the controversial chairman, Dave Williams, stepped down earlier in the year. 
they're a small, they're a small rugby league town, really. Yeah. They've been overachieving hugely with with it, with, with that. So Martinez there, who does a really good job, obviously dealing with the FA Cup and catching in the Premier League. Um, they really did a lot for that club. They chucked a lot of money at the, at the club and the city as well, and um, got them punching way above their weight. But sadly, now they're drifting away. And when you come down from the Premier League and you lose your players, and then Championship is a real slog if you get into a, into a bad spiral of results, and so it's come to pass. They've not been they've not been good enough really throughout the season. They've changed managers around as well. It's not really worked for them. Um, I've not seen as much of them as, as some have, but and I have seen them. They've been poor. Mm. Um, Blackpool, of course, were dead and buried for for, mm. for a number of different reasons. And what's going on at that club is obviously an absolute disgrace. And Millwall haven't really recovered since Kenny Jacket left. So those teams, it's difficult for them. But I support a team in League Two, and I know what it's like to be relegated and relegated and relegated again. So. I stand uh, firm and in, in uh, solidarity with my uh, other lower league team supporting brothers. Uh, would, is that include does, uh, Luke? Does that include MK Dons fans? Uh, they are celebrating if the, if they exist. I always get the sense they don't exist. There have to be some to fill out that new stadium. They're going to be moving up to the championship next year. Yes, they are, <laughs> and I personally don't have an awful lot of track with that. Um, of course, I understand that now these days because they've been a club for a while. There are young people coming up in that town looking for their local team to support and aren't fully aware of their history. But generally, you won't get me uh, endorsing uh, MK Dons in any way, shape, or form. I don't think. Is there is there any you know is there any discussion um, about whether or not this is overall good for English football, bad for English football? Does it, does it have any real impact that you know that this is franchise FC moving up to the second division and and you know. Uh, a couple of breaks go their way. They spend a little bit of money. Again, they have a, a, a bright new stadium. They they could be a Premier League team before we know it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not really for me to say whether it's good or bad for the game in general. That's probably a bit of an over an overthinking of it. I, I just feel that it's not really a situation that I found that palatable when it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that comfortable with with sort of um, you know wanting to be well. But it's a difficult one because I, I, I like football in general. I'm more of a more of an overall football fan rather than a keen supporter of one particular club. And obviously I support Portsmouth, but I'm more of a football fan in general. And so I understand that when a, when a bunch of kids come up and want to support their local team, and I can, I can certainly empathise with that. But the nature of the way it happened yeah. was left a bit of taste in the mouth yeah. for, for every football fan, really. And, and what happened to Wimbledon was an absolute disgrace. It was, it was awful, really was awful. And my sympathies overall lie with, with, with Wimbledon, really, rather than... The, the young people of MK Dons. But, you know, they, they're there on merit. The, the league is sanctioning to play. They, they, they're winning games. They're, they've got a good young manager. So, you know, there are more than, more than two sides to every story in this case. Yeah, well, yes. If anybody doesn't, is not aware of the history of MK Dons, where they come from, and what happened to Wimbledon, you should go back and uh, research that a little bit. I'm sure there's a lovely Wikipedia page. Yeah, I don't want to bore up onto death of that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Luke Moore from the World Famous Football Ramble talking English football. It's great to have you back, Luke. Appreciate your time, and uh, perhaps we'll have you back soon. You're a gentleman, Jason. Thank I you very much, it. and I would love to come back. Soon. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines, get you talking about whatever is on your mind, whether it's MK Dons or MLS or, I don't know, Liga MX, whatever's happening. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, taking your phone calls, 646-832-3909 is the phone number. Jump on in. couple of questions for you here on a Monday. Uh, you know, I like talking about what the best goal of the weekend is. I always like that. Very much into I Clint Dempsey setting up with Emmy Martins. You had Jovenko. Jovinko with his long-range free kick. You had a great team goal from New England with Teal Bunbury finishing it off. I'm, mi- I'm, I'm missing goals. I know I am. I'm missing good goals. Uh, obviously, Fabian Castillo and what, what FC Dallas did to Houston, just taking them apart. Some fantastic stuff happening in MLS. We can talk about that. I feel as though perhaps everybody wants to talk about hair, though. Like Is, is hair the number one topic because of Benny Failhaber? By the way, Benny Failhaber on Sirius XM FC 94 
coming up this uh, it's coming up today debut show for soccer morning over there, and we will have Benny Failhopper and damn right I'm gonna ask him about his hair. Damn right I'm gonna ask him about his hair. Now, I think I I I think that the hair thing in soccer is one of the, the more fun elements. Now you don't have to like what Benny Failhopper did to his hair. You could you could say it's a an ugly hairstyle if you want to do that. We've got some some mullets in this league, not, not a lot of them. Tommy McNamara, who can't seem to get on the field for New York City FC, has a mullet. I'm trying to think of some other hairs. I mean, obviously, Jesse Zardis gets a lot of attention because of his blonde hair that he dies so his grandma can see him when she watches his games on television. Who else is in the top five? I'm just, I don't even mean like necessarily good or bad, making a value judgment on the, the quality, the aesthetic quality of the hair. I mean, who's in the top five for just the the most out there hair, the most interesting hair in MLS? Who's the kid? Who's the kid that New York has that used to play for for RSL? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, we'll have to think about that. Uh, let's go to Pierce. What's up, Pierce? Hey, Jason. I just had a quick question. I've always seen um, DC United play in one game, so I was just wondering, uh, and I'm sure you're up there, so. Are they are they really good, or are they just on a hot? <laughs> I love this. I love trying to figure out whether or not DC United is a really good team or not. And, and I saw a quote our friend uh, Seth. Uh, sorry, Thomas. Um, um, why am I blanking on Thomas's name, Trevor? Thomas Floyd. <laughs> God, our friend Thomas Floyd from from uh, uh, from um, Backheel dot com and Goal dot com. Over there at Open Wife for some soccer, had a quote from Ben from Ben Olsen after the game, and they said, you know, how, hey Ben, how are you guys winning these games? And Ben Olsen said, oh, it's luck. Don't you read? Everybody says it's just luck. Now he was being sarcastic. It's not luck. They are a good team. They are not. They are not an exciting team in the sense of what Seattle does or what New England does or even what Columbus does. They are. A quality, disciplined team with a couple of game changers, an ability to hit you on the counter and on set pieces, and they play defensively sound soccer. So I think they're good, Pierce. I don't know that they're great, if you know what I mean. Okay. All right. Thank you. Is that it? That's all you got? Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, Thanks it. a lot. All right. There he goes. Uh, there goes Pierce talking about DC United again. I, I think DC United is an enigma, but in a good way. In a good way. I think Ben Olsen is a very smart coach. Now, they went through that absolutely disastrous season in 2013. It was it was the worst. Then they flipped it around, and I think everybody thought, okay, well, they got some allocation help. They got into the Champions League. They you know, they obviously finished last and uh, or, or, yeah, last in 2013. And, and that brings, in a league that, that, that's designed to promote parity, that brings with it some sort of help on that end. And, yeah, you can turn it around. They sort of grinded out results, and you weren't really sure how good they actually were. And it's continued. And all they're, But all they're doing is getting results. And I'm sure DC United fans don't care. Maybe you, DC United fans out there, let me know. 646-832-3909. Do you care if anybody thinks your team is good as long as the wins are coming? They beat Columbus, a good team in my mind, 2-0 at RFK this weekend. Chris Rolfe is on fire. Fabian Espindola makes that a different, more dangerous team. They've obviously got Perry Kitchen, who is rounding into one of the best defensive midfielders in MLS. They've got some defensive stability. Now, they had to rotate out some guys. But you got Bobby Boswell back there, former MLS Defender of the Year. You've got Obviously, you've got quality in that MLS, in, in that DC United team that's helping them be solid all the way throughout. Because you look, at, you look around the league, and there are so many teams that they have a great attacking trio or a couple of good players up front that can score some goals, but their, their defense is lacking. It's a little bit Toronto's problem, right? Or you look at... You know, even a, even a team like New England, who has a lot of talent, you look at that back line, you go, is that really going to hold up for the whole year? London Be- Woodbury came out of nowhere, is now apparently their right back of choice, and is making great comp- contributions. Is he going to be solid throughout the season? Do we know what to expect from him? You look at Seattle. They've had to play Brad Evans at center back because of their issues there. But they have Dempsey and Martins, and they have Nagel, and they have Papa, and they have uh, Alonzo. Is there is there a team that's? I'm not saying the DC United is the most complete team in the league, but I'm saying they are above average in nearly every, in every part of the field in every every facet of the game. They're they they're willing to get dirty. They certainly take on the 
the character of their coach in that regard, and that gets you some that gets you some benefit in MLS. It's still a league that doesn't come down hard enough on some of the off the ball stuff, some of the nonsense that happens, some of the the the, the tackles that, that that are flying around. Guys are staying on the field when they shouldn't, and D. Schneider knows how to exploit that. Washington, what's going on, man? What's up, Jason? Damn Seattle with Dempsey and Martin combo. I hate them all. <laughs> is your, by the way, is the bloom off the rose yet? I know it's not for you. You're going to support the team. But I, but I imagine. Right. No, the bloom is not off the rose. It's never going to be off the rose okay, for me. Okay, for you. But, I mean, for the fan base, for the people of New York who maybe aren't like you. They didn't buy all, all the way in. They didn't push all their chips to the middle on this team. They're sort of like, okay, this is a soccer team playing at New York, at the Yankee Stadium, and they've got David Villa, and they've got mixed disc group, speaking of good hair. And uh, we'll go out and check it out. <laughs> and Jason Christ, after that like, game, says he says, I didn't think it would be this hard. Wow, really? Like, I'm surprised at that, Washington. I didn't. I did not know that comment. That that's surprising to me too. You 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 kind of just hit me in the gut with that one. But let me tell you, I was at Yankee Stadium last night, and front and I was in uh, right behind uh, the goal, not not on the sports section, but on the other side. And uh, we we had a pretty good crowd, and all of us to the man were like, you know, we'll get them next time. We we still have that attitude. I don't think it's at the point where oh man, I'm I'm done. And you know, for for a lot of us it was, that were there, it, it really didn't seem that we'd ever get to that point that, oh, I'm done. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. I don't know. Because like I said, for me, it'll never be done. But I just, uh, I, I the, the attitude that I got last night was, you know, we're there to, you know, we're here for the long haul. No, and that's the, look, if you're a fan and you're committed and you buy in and you are going to call yourself a fan or a supporter, you need to be there no matter what, the ups and downs, everything else. I just wonder for the casuals, and this is a league that still desperately needs the casuals for all the supporters' culture and, and diehards we have now, whether or not those people are going to still be on board. And I heard there were some uh, that you guys were getting serenaded by the, the traveling Seattle support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what I, you know what? I do, what supporters? Were, were they even there? I, I don't know. Oh, oh, okay. Well, what were the songs? I heard there was maybe Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> it was Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I think they... They tried to do a rendition of New York, New York, and change it up a little bit. But oh. I was really trying to tune them out. I really was trying to tune them out. All right, so what's the what's um, the what's the? Fi- are you just going to hold on for dear life until Frank Lampard shows up? Until David well, Villa is healthy? I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to bring that up because we were talking about that on the stands, and many people were like, "Oh man, Frank's coming in July. Frank's coming in July." I don't know. First of all. Do you think that he's like the Messiah? Do you think he's the Savior? Do you think you know, no? But I think he's. I think he's. I think he does. I only. He, he's the Savior, but I think he changes things pretty significantly for New York. I, I think that if you can find a way to for for Disgrude and, and Lampard to, to to have a balance and an understanding, the guy's going to get. You know, he can get five, six goals down the stretch. He can be. He can and be that, the guy that so finds. Now you. I'm stuck at a point where I'm. I'm you know how I feel about Frank right now? He's like the pretty girl that you asked for the prom, and then she initially said yes, but then somebody better looking asked her, and then she turned you down <laughs> after the. So I'm I'm pissed off at him pretty much right now. Okay, I am, All and right. now now I have to begrudgingly kind of say, okay, Frank, come and help me out here, and then and I'm not sure how I sit with that. I mean, if you don't want CFC, I'm going to support him no matter what. Wait, wait, wait. Do you, so wait, wait, watch it. What you're telling me is that you feel dirty about this a little bit because of the whole saga with whether he was signed or not signed and the loan. Yeah, or not. Now you feel I dirty. I, I do. Because you need him to come in and help you out. Exactly. Okay. All right. I, I, exactly. Look, I, th- this is an expansion year, Wash. I know you know this, uh, you know, intellectually. Yeah, and I got to swallow it. I know. Yeah. I got to swallow it. I yeah. know. And, 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 and we were talking about that yesterday, too. You know, there's certain things that we're just going to have to you know, take in stride because we want this to be a success. And if we have to take Frank's out to be a success, and this is a team that's not going to hesitate to bring in reinforcements if they can, if they have the cap room, if they, you know, right now you have, uh, what, one, one DP, DP slot filled with Frank coming, yeah. that'll be two. There's going to be room for somebody else if they want to add somebody. Uh, you know, what I want to see Christ do is give – you know, give some of these younger guys an opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I know that there's got to be some sort of spine. There's going to be some sort of t- stability. You're going to lean on guys like Grabovoy, et cetera. 
but you know, as long as you're in an expansion year and you're sort of waiting on your team being filled out because the summer is going to change things significantly, then why not give Poku more time? Why not give Velasquez a chance? That's the name I couldn't remember earlier, by the way. Why not give some of these guys who you know? Have- and, we do, and, and one of the things I, do, I have hope for is we do have young guys. We have Shelton. We have Mix. We have Velasquez. We have Hernandez. You know, we we do have young guys that are that are you know they're they're gonna get you know they're green now, but they they're, they're gonna get better. And I I have faith that we are gonna turn this around. All right. Well, that's good to hear, Washington. Appreciate it, man. There goes uh, Washington, uh, shirt number five, Washington and New York. That's right. We're going to have shirt numbers for the uh, the long-time guys, the, the consistent guys. You bring the quality here, show in and show out, or, you know, you're regularly, you, you know, you're on the show regularly calling in, and you bring, you add to the discussion. I'll definitely, I'll definitely consider giving you a shirt. I think we've given out three or four at this point. 646-832-3909. Just a couple of minutes left in the show. Uh, just to keep you aware, with the SiriusXM show starting up today, 11 a.m. Eastern, SiriusXM FC 94. Things are going to be a little tighter on the web show. Not we're, we, We've actually, if, you've, if you haven't noticed, we've cut it down to one guest. We had Luke Moore today. That gives you guys more opportunity to get in with your calls if you want to on the web show in the morning. We moved it back an hour. We dropped a guest. We're trying to tighten things up a little bit so that we have time to get ready for the SiriusXM show at 11 a.m., but we don't want to short you. So if you, if you want to get in, now's the time, 646-832-3909. Jonathan Tannewald on Twitter saying, Washington's on Soccer Morning right now. I think we need him and Eddie from Brooklyn on the air together on Friday's show ahead of Red Bull New York NYCFC. That gives me an idea. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to explore that. That's a, that's a brilliant idea. We definitely need to explore maybe a supporter showdown segment on this program. If you are trying to call in through the old Skype number, unfortunately, I'm going to ignore you. So just that's a... A word to the wise for anybody who's got the old Skype number and is trying to call that way. Um, you got to call 646-832-3909 instead of what we used to use because this allows us to to have these calls go through tre- producer Trevor. I know who you are, where you're from, and what you're talking about. And that helps me out a lot. And it's good uh, It's good practice for the serious show, which, again, is to – should I be nervous? I don't know if I, I don't know if I am nervous or I'm convincing myself I'm not nervous, but I am nervous, but I'm not nervous. I don't know how to feel about that. If you guys want to just call in and boost me up a little bit, I might help. <laughs> Trevor says, no need to be nervous. Just don't F it up. Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic uh, support. Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. 646-832-3909. Couple minutes left in the web show. We've had a good one. Uh, the MLS season getting a little interesting. Premier League season not over yet. Got a couple games left, but Chelsea is your champion. Uh, considering that, uh, considering that you have a couple of games left in the in the Premier League season, we don't yet know who's going down. We do know who's coming up. At least two of those teams that are coming up. And as I said with with Luke Moore, I love MLS. I will watch it no matter what. We haven't really we haven't talked about the roster rules, by the way. We're going to cover some of that on Sirius XM FC. So make sure you listen to that. Kyle McCarthy will be joining us. He's a big rules guy. He knows he's a lawyer. He's got a head for it. We're going to talk to him about all of that stuff. The salary cap, whether that's moving fast enough, everything else. And I love MLS and I love the MLS playoffs. I think the the format could be tweaked to make it a little bit better. But the championship playoffs, the promotion playoffs in the championship are absolutely fantastic. They are amazing to watch. And we've had some serious, serious drama come out of that league the last couple of years as teams desperately try to get back into the Premier League. Most of those teams are trying to get back. Some of those teams have never been, and it's a big deal for them. And even if you're setting yourself up to come right back on, I mean, right back down, to be in the Premier League even for a season, and now with that television contract, that's that's potentially history-changing type of money that these teams might be grabbing by moving up. Amazing stuff happens in the promotion playoffs. I'm looking forward to that. Looking very much looking forward to that. We got an FA Cup final coming up, not too distant future. Obviously, have the Champions League still going on. Uh, And I haven't really out. Have we really outlined the focus of the serious show yet, Trevor? Just to give people a sense. We're gonna be really, we're gonna be heavily American focused over there. We're gonna be mostly MLS, NASL, USL. We'll tie some things into Americans abroad. We'll talk national team 
if there's an angle, if a storyline comes up that happens somewhere else and we can tie it into the American discussion, I'll certainly do that. Obviously, you know, the Premier League is popular in the United States, and therefore there's an American angle to the discussion of the Premier League. But as we've seen sort of the drop-off of the number of players over there, we don't quite have as much reason to talk about it in a purely American con- uh, uh, context, which I think is interesting. I don't know if we're going to see another influx or if MLS has turned the tide by bringing back some more American players. Doug Garber spoke to this. He said, we're going to keep going after these guys. We're not going to stop. Now, he was also taking a shot at Jurgen Klinsmann because apparently that's just what Don does these days. And I think that's the right direction for the league. But it also means, again, we're going to see less less of an influence in Europe. And there, there are a couple of people I want to get on this show sort of talk about that dynamic. One is Breck Shea. And if you haven't read Leander Shalakin's piece on Breck Shea, I think that's a Soccer Gods piece, SoccerGods.com. If you haven't read his piece, his, his profile piece on Breck Shea, as, as soon as this show is over, go do that and then join us for Sirius XMFC. It's a fantastic look behind the scenes at Breck Shea's life and, that, and what kind of person he is. And maybe the disconnect between... Why he didn't? Why he didn't work in England? Essentially, the disconnect between the on all the time, twenty four seven soccer player that maybe European football demands, certainly Jurgen Klinsmann wants to see, and what Breck Shea the person actually is. He's, he says he wants his downtime. He doesn't want to be talking, t- thinking about soccer all the time. It's his job. And I, while I think that is a healthy perspective, it may be the thing that holds some some players back. I mean, that's that's got to be true. And it may be the thing that holds America back, and the United States back, and the national team back. And it may be why Gary Klinsman likes himself some European players, dual internationals. The American mentality doesn't provide for the sort of commitment that he wants to see. And then we as fans have to make a decision about whether we care that our players like a work-life balance. Landon Donovan's a perfect example of this. The man didn't want to be soccer, 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 soccer. He wanted to have a life. That probably held him back. As great as he was, and as much as he did for the for MLS and the U.S. men's national team, people will still hold it over his head. He could have been great. If only he was more committed. If only he wasn't soft, which I think is a terrible word, a loaded word that doesn't apply necessarily to these guys. And I also think it's easy to throw stones, but hey, we also want our teams to win. We absolutely want our teams to win. The other guy I want on this show is Alejandro Bedoya. We've had him on the program before. We've got to bring him back. If you're not following Alejandro Bedoya on Twitter, do that, please. Not only is he an American player in Europe having success at Nantes in France, he is also one of the best sources for commentary on the state of MLS and American soccer on Twitter. And whether or not you, you agree with him or not, he's got opinions. He's out there in front of things, talking about the way the league operates. And I have, I've, I've talked to him before, and he flat out said, He's not coming back as long as that allocation system is in place and he can't pick his team. And I I think we, again, whether or not you agree with his opinions, we need more people sort of challenging these elements of the league that could prevent further growth, among the other things that can prevent further growth. All right. Calls have slowed down. Getting ready to wrap this one up. Got to move over. Sirius XM FC 94, 11 a.m. Eastern. Please join us over there. Got a great, great lineup. Jesse Marsh, Kyle McCarthy, Benny Failhaber, Alex Morgan. Just slamming it out of the park on the first day to mix my metaphors here. Make sure you go to backheel.com slash store. Buy yourself a soccer morning mug. You can support the show that way. It's very pretty. It's got our beautiful logo as designed by Dan at 3NLFC.com. By the way, 3NLFC.com is where you buy a t-shirt. A pretty blue soccer morning t-shirt. Also with the logo. Hit us up on Twitter with your photos of uh, you out in the wild with that shirt on, whether it's a soccer match of any kind, any context. I don't care. Send me pictures. I love seeing it. Uh, what else, Trev? What am I missing, man? Something something else. There's something else I'm missing, I'm sure. I feel like I'm always like leaving things on the table here when we get done. Sirius XMFC 94, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's it. That's it. All right. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on the web show, 9 o'clock Eastern.
Remember, a new time. If you're a podcast listener, your life has not changed one bit. Not really. And you get the serious show if you want to join over there. So do that. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. On this show, I'll talk to you in, two, in about an hour at SiriusXMFC. XM FC.